Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back along to your home of rugby here on New Zealand Sport Radio. And with me, Cool Flake, we are bringing you once again that time of the week. It is Super Rugby preview time. And we're going to have a look at our four matches coming out of Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa this weekend. Round 10 and round 9, respectively. We've got big games coming up. And we are going to be having a look at them once again, like we always do with a special guest. It's no shame this week. He's got prior engagements. He's too important for us this weekend. So instead, we've ringed in the changes. Paul is back again. Welcome back. The, the main oh, man, he's back on the channel. How you going, sir? Back on the channel. I'm on the channel every day. <laughs> back back on the preview. Back, back on my channel. This goes on my channel too. So you're back on my channel. Welcome back. It's been a Very long good. time. Thank you so much. Couple Back of weeks. The green, green, the green, green grass of home, eh? Oh, lovely. The backdrop. You see things improve here on the preview show. We've got nice backdrops. We've got support to the Highlanders. Um, everything's good and well in the world. But yes, four games this week, Paul. Um, we start things off with, of course, Friday night, uh, just over a day away. The Chiefs and the Hurricanes do battle in our weekend opener. Then we have the Force and the Reds. And then a double header almost from Australia before we go back to this side of the Waratahs and the Rebels do battle on Saturday evening. And then on Sunday, the worst day for me to watch rugby is the Crusaders and the Blues. So let's get straight into the action. Why not? We've got um, a lot to look at. So here we go. Game number one, Chiefs versus the Hurricanes. Now, tell me what, Paul. I mean, let's unearth this massive change of New Zealand rugby landscape. What happened to the Chiefs? Just don't mind the Hurricanes at the moment. Where have this Chiefs team come from? They have just, they're, they're the, just well, they are the best team in the competition right now in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Wow, the best team in the competition? Whoa. To, yeah, I guess, I mean, look, yeah, four, behind four, the Highlanders. Behind, always behind the Highlanders. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, look, it's I mean, the, the, a lot of talk pre uh, during the offseason um, was uh, about culture, right? Uh, and basically, that um, whilst uh, um, oh um, McMillan didn't say it, uh, uh, I mean Clayton didn't say it quite outright, but so basically that, that Colin Cooper had screwed up the, the culture of the Chiefs uh, in his uh, his tenure there, 
uh, and that it needed fixing. So, um, look, he's spent a lot of time about that. I mean, a lot of the talk recently has been about culture and about playing for your mates. Um, hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be at the game on Friday uh, and hopefully I'm going to try and organise a um, a chat with him at some point to ask him what does he mean by culture. But, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a... That's, yeah, there isn't, there hasn't been that togetherness of the team uh, about playing for each other uh, and going that extra yard, be that extra one percent, all those, all those, the half percenters and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's been what the difference has been actually. It's, uh, also, um, Dave McKenzie, look back in form. Um, Brad Weber in the, in the post press conference, the last one said, uh, the last game said, look, um, he's been not uh, that. So Dave McKenzie had been injured, um, serious injury, off for a year. Uh, look, it takes a year to get back to your best, and so hence. He thought that we all had too much expectations on him last year and that now he's got confidence back in his body uh, and he's playing well. So you, you had a, 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 a Dave McKenzie that's playing well and a team that all actually um, want to give that extra 1% for their brothers. Um, and uh, that's the and uh, you end up actually winning some games, surprisingly. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Getting that W at the end of the day. But uh, do you want to show off that Chiefs team that you... I mean, we always talk about the key areas. I mean, you've got a good nine, you've got a good 15. They kind of have skipped out the fact of needing a, a really, really good number 10, haven't they? And they, they're kind of playing around the fact that McKenzie covers so much of that team with his adaptability in that side. I think they don't have a world-class guy that they rely on. And I mean, even, you know, this week, um, we'll get to the team in a second, but Bryn Gatlin coming in there in that number 10 jumper, um, not a world beater, solid enough player, but you'll find a lot of that play will revolve around those two guys you mentioned that you can't emphasize that enough and, and Weber and McKenzie. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you don't need to, I mean, not everybody in the back line has to be world beaters and, and, and something special, right? Uh, you need a couple of guys who just do the basics well and let the other guys play around them. Um, now, Trask is a bit more flashy than, um, than Gatland, uh, to be <laughs> honest. Um, so, um, but uh, look, they've got decent guys. I mean, it's not like um, we've been talking about like, like down in the hurricanes where, Oh, fly half? What's one of those things? Do we do we really need one? Do we need a guy at 10? I'm not sure. Um, let's just put a tackler in there because, hey, it's not, not really necessary, is it, to have a real player there? Um, look, so look, they've got guys who are proper 10s uh, available mm. um, that, that you can play around. Sure, they're not the most experienced. They're not all blacks, but they're decent 10s uh, who know the way around the pitch. And that's what's key. Let's have a look at those two sides for the teams, the Chiefs and the Hurricanes for the home team. And that's going to be key as well, playing in front of that uh, crowd that they will have there um, for the home fans. Uh, Aiden Ross starts the number one jumper. Samasoni Takiaho, who is getting huge reps this season. Boy, he is getting some massive props to his name. He partners alongside Angus Tarbell to complete that front row. Probably it's an area the Chiefs have really struggled with. They've got two gems and young gems in Tupuvai and Natoa Akoi in that second row. Mitch Brown, Lachlan Boshier and Peter Gusso Akula comes in to that back row, the big number eight. Um, so they will add a lot more power to that team. Into that back line, Brad Webber, we've talked about Bryn Gatlin, will partner in those halves. Alex Nankvort, 12. Anton and a Brown, sensational season from him this year as well. Where's 13? Attending Nani Satoro, the left wing, Jonah Rowe, Jonah Lowe. Not Rowe, he's not in a boat. He's on the right. And McKenzie, of course, the man we've talked about at fullback. Up against them and deserve a little bit of mention as well. These Hurricanes and how this game's going to go is going to be dependent on these guys with work to do. Uh, Xavier Numea starts in the number one of Dame Coles wearing the captain's armband this week for the Canes. Tyrell Lomax will be alongside him in three. James Blackwell and Scott Scrafton. 
such a contrast in those two second rows, isn't there, between you know the mm-hmm. up-and-coming exciting and the two journeymen in Blackwell and Scrafton for the Hurricanes. Uh, Prince Ed Creefy and Flanders round out their pack. Luke Campbell and Ruben Love, there's some youthful names. They're at 9 and 10. We talked about it before already, haven't we, Paul? Those guys, how will they affect this game? Will be interesting to see. Lamapi and Umanga Jensen in the midfield. Salisi Reyes, he's on the left wing. He's back in the team. Wes Houston's on the right wing. And Jordy Barrett at fullback. I mean, you look at that and it doesn't fill you with much confidence, does it, at those nine and tens there? But I mean, much like the Chiefs, Jordy Barrett with a 15, he controls the side so much from the back. And it's it's coming a common trend now. I think those guys are starting to learn. The guys like Barrett and McKenzie's, how to play that role of a, a, a team playmaker and controller and a conductor, I guess they call it as well, from that number 15 jumper position rather than having to be up there always in that back line at that first receiver every single time. It, it's They've adapted and it, you know moving with the game, aren't they? Those two guys especially, I think. Absolutely. I mean, look, this is something that the All Blacks have been criticised for, is that second playmaker. And here you've got mm. two guys who have been basically been taught that for the past what, two, what, what, three, maybe four years now um, as, as part of the All Blacks setup. Uh, basically, since the last since the last Lions tour, um, and we're seeing the fruits of it now, where they're actually managing. You say they they can control the game from fifteen. You don't need a Richard Mwanga or a Bowden Barrett in that ten jersey. You can uh, you can you can do it by uh, at the back there. And look, I mean, talking starting on that Hurricanes team, uh, I think the way that they looked after Ruben Love last weekend against the uh, against the Crusaders was very good. Uh, that um, early in the game. Jordy Barrett took took ownership of that first receiver role uh, and uh, and gave Ruben Love time to settle into the game. And then Ruben Love took over more of that um, first receiver toward in, in the second half and, and later in the first half. So uh, if you look look at the passing stats, he hardly touched the ball. Um, it was all Jordy early on, but it evened itself out by the end of the game. So um, look, they looked after him really really well. But at the end of the day, uh, for this Hurricane squad, it comes down to the name that's not there rather than the names that are there. Uh, and that is Ardi Surveyor. They're missing their captain. They're missing their best player by a country mile. Uh, and without him, those that look that loose trio of Princep, Karifi, and Flanders, they're all decent players. But they lit. The, but missing that general, that guy who really does give them energy and lead them, uh, you've you, you've you've got to be worried about them really. Um, and then again, you, you look at their their bench as well. Um, and look, the front row replacements decent, um, okay for the the forwards. Then you look at the backs and go, who, who, and Billy Proctor, who's, I, yeah, I'm looking at those guys and going, who are they? I've, I've got a clue, and I, and I watch a lot of rugby. Yeah, that's a bit of a danger. I was just looking at them too. I mean, you mentioned the bench, and um, I just thought to myself, what's happened to Vaya Fafita? Remember him a few years ago, and he, he's there in twenty, but. You would say, you know, well, I don't know how many years ago it would be now, three, four years ago, he was a guy who you could say would be up there with with a sort of power and, and presence he brings to a team that could bring something similar, not to the level of, of an Adi Savia right now, but the way he can play the game and and carry the ball uh, is something that they certainly would like if they had him at that sort of same level. But he's not that same sort of player that we've seen from him in the past, which is a, a real concern for a guy that, you know, has had a number of tests and an All Blacks jumper as well. So they need back a bit more of him, don't they? they do, yeah, look, um, they, he's been messed around. He, he did a really good podcast with Ardi Surveyor. Um, now, uh, yeah, his English is very clearly his second language. Um, and uh, look, he wasn't going to, you're not going to hear him in the press ever because he just won't feel comfortable 
Um, but uh, with with a with the friendly presence of Ali Surveyor, it, it was a really interesting chat from him. But he's been messed around by the Hurricanes, right? They played him as a as a lock. They've played him as a as a as a um. Sorry, come play for uh, the Highlanders, Come, come on, uh, yeah. He's he's been he, look. He's, he's been messed around by the Hurricanes, trying trying to convert him into a lock, and then no, no, go back to being a six. And uh, and I think that's that's damaged his form and it's knocked his confidence. Um, I think again, I think he's probably one of those guys. Uh, he's probably a confidence player um, rather than a player that does well being told um, you're you're useless, prove me wrong. I think he's a guy you put your arm around and say, look, you're wonderful. We really love how you play. Go out and do this kind of person. Um, and I just think, I don't think he's got. I think they've probably mismanaged him. And confused him too much by by trying to get him to play roles that just he isn't suited for, unfortunately. Yeah, the lock the lock situation. Yeah, you said that that was a shocker. Um, he was never the same sort of player after that sort of Jimmy Jimmy moving around they did for them. Um, so Chiefs at home, Hurricanes on the road. Oh, where's your money going on this one? The mighty three dollars. Oh, where's the mighty three dollars going? Bunch of stuff you've missed out on for the Chiefs. So I mean, okay, uh, we'll so, go back to your Chiefs then. Um, so yeah, so let's say your team. Big, Big big loss there for my team. Big loss there for for, for with Ali Surveyor for the for the um the Hurricanes, but then for the Chiefs, no Luke Jacobson. Massive loss for them. He's been great at eight for them. Uh, concussion issues at the weekend. Hopefully he'll be all right coming out. But um, I think uh, yeah, Soakula can do a job. But I think missing you're missing Sam Kane and Luke Jacobson now. Your two captains again. So again, that Mitch Brown Boshier Soakula a decent one. But yeah, both sides losing their missing their the, the heartbeat of their team, of their Lucy's, of the breakdown battle there, which is going to be big. Um, the Clearly, last weekend, they went for Damon McKenzie at 10 with Bryn Gatland coming off the bench to sort of see things home. This weekend, it's Bryn Gatland, a steady start, and then we're going to go helter-skelter at the end by putting Damon McKenzie in, into the 10 slot. Uh, it's an interesting tactical switch as to how do you want to close out the game. Um, I think, is, is to me, that's really interesting. Uh, and... Um, Oh dear! Another another name I've got no idea how to say to be honest with you, but um, Ramika um, Poi Hippie uh, apparently the um, a, a, apparently a um, uh, from down from down in Christchurch been is a uh, is a Canterbury player, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays on debut um, in the centres there because again uh, the the um, uh, coming off the bench for the centre anyway because uh, again look with Quintapire out um, for basically the rest of the season. Uh, or the Super Rugby season, anyway. Um, they're also we've got some 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 rookies or some very low low captain players. I mean, you look at that bench. Okay, the front row of Harris, Norris, Maffiello, fine, but then Finau with four caps, Bosch, uh, Caelan Bashir with three caps, um, Chase Tierty. Oh, again, Chase Tierty. Well, the Hurricanes, but yeah, uh, and then um, Poi Hippie, the rookie there uh, on debut. There's uh, there's a lot of inexperience off both benches, which is going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that all comes out. To be honest with you, I don't see Jacobson as big as a loss to the Chiefs as Savier is to the Hurricanes. That, no, that's a massive not loss. As big, but, I think, but I think it's a big loss. It, they've still got a pretty, like, it's so cool. It's pretty solid number eight. I think they're going to lose a bit in the mobility of that back row. But I think, like, Bush, yeah, Lachlan Bush is playing really good rugby. Mitch Brown is, is, like you say, those solid guys that do no wrong that every rugby team needs, especially in that second row or that back row um, of any side. Good player, a game-breaker player, does get in the right place at the right time, very good, smart rugby player. But I just think this Hurricanes team seems a bit soulless without a player like Savia to 
put the heartbeat around that field. And it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on Dan Coles, who's going to be leading the team in that number two jumper because they, a lot of people look to him and how much, you know, the problem I see with Dan Coles, especially in a responsibility role with the team, is his mental state. He is a guy that people can get under. Is that something the Chiefs are going to think about? Has he cooled his heels a little bit over the last year or two, you know, of all the injuries and layoff times? Uh, what sort of player is he going to be now with that massive responsibility? Because you look at the rest of that team, there's, well, there's not many leaders, especially in that pack. You know, there's a lot of journeymen guys that have been around for a while, but guys that are going to stand up and, and drag a team from, you know, a, a 13, 14, 15 point deficit at halftime. Um, to turn that side around. It's going to be really interesting if it goes that way. So we will see. But anything else you want to add? Or are we got predictions now? Straight in. Just, just to very quickly, I look at that Chiefs pack and go again, all good players, no leaders. And that's that's what Luke Jacobson gives you. Luke Jacobson's an ex-under-20s mm. or uh, junior All-Blacks captain. And that's what they're listening. That, that, that's what that's what you're gonna, they're, they're going to miss is that just, there are no... Uh, I think Vi is actually is, is actually quite a good is is learning to be, but I think apart from that, you're looking at a side that you're looking at. Um, I mean, do you, do you see Angus to Argo as your most experienced leadership? Uh, look, no. I like I, I think he's fantastic on social media and um uh, takes a good photo and good and talks well. But as a as a yeah, so both packs lack leadership. Of course, Ida Surveyor is a bigger loss, but both but that that that's me. So, um, look, you how can you not go with the uh, the Chiefs? Um, they've they've won four on the bounce. I'm going by three because I just think every single game has the largest winning margin over the past two weeks has been three points. So that's a big win uh, in, in in today's terms. Jeez, you, you put me on the spot here. I was going to go, but well, large than that. But I think I'll still stick with it. Uh, Chiefs by just six points, which isn't very much uh, by anyone's standards. But we'll go mighty. We'll go large. We'll go exciting to the end where we could possibly see Jordy Barrett, you know, thinking about a, a conversion and extra time to win the game from. You know, who knows how far out he'll take that one. Uh, but still, interesting. Jordy Barrett, penalties as well. You always got to mention it. He's going to kick him from anywhere too. So accumulation of points for the Hurricanes is going to be something that will certainly be on the top of their mind. Let's move on though. We'll, we'll be here till midnight, Paul, the way we're going. Goodness me. Let's go to Australia. This will be quick. Force versus the Reds. Come on now. Force. I need a Force shirt. Um, where's the where's the force from you know media people? We need to send me some Western force merch so I can get in support. I'll do a halftime change, change the shirt. Um, going through the teams, have a team support. But yes, the the force won again. They won again, Paul. Don't worry about who they play again. We'll we'll ignore your side of the Reds over there. We won't talk about them. But the Western force of winning rugby games. Let's take a moment because I missed last week because I had no power these days. To not have power is ludicrous, but we won't talk about that. Where's the force winning games? Your thoughts? I'm ecstatic. The um the <laughs> oh, it's I'm, I'm definitely not in, I'm not ecstatic like you are. That's for certain. Um, look, look, it, it's look, it's good, right? It is it's it's just like we've had upsets uh, and very close games in Super Rugby uh, It's great to see the force who I think everyone was predicting would come last in this tournament pre um, pre season doing well. Uh, upsetting um, some teams and uh, look in with a shout of making the finals, which is fantastic. Uh, so I think they've, I, and I think they've got a great shout of making the finals personally. Um, now, uh, are they going to get there under their own steam? Now, I think they might need some help, but um, uh, yeah, look, it's great to see them mixing it up. Sure, you've got basically the Reds and the Brumbies at the top, and everyone else is pretty much um, struggling. Um, but um, look, it's uh, when they get the players like Rob Kearney who's come back. Uh, to, to give them a bit of leadership in that back line. 
Uh, now they've got their um, their Argentinians playing uh, and starting in Cabelli and Miotti. Uh, look, they're starting to actually have yeah have some combinations, have some quality players on there, um, and um, yeah, look, they can give they they can play some decent rugby. But um, world world um, beaters or uh, or painting the town red, no. Um, or painting paint the town, the town blue. blue. Come on, <laughs> paint the town blue, sky blue. That's what the, the sea of blue. That's what it's that's what it is. Get them behind them. Come on. A force jersey would be great. Add it to the collection of, of jerseys over there. And they could all be nicely on show maybe one day like Paul. Yeah, exactly. oh, see this <laughs> right. Uh the teams, because there's interesting selections in here. Uh, some players to talk about for the force. Tom Robinson, uh Filiti Kaitu, always struggled that one. Greg Holmes, Jeremy Thrush, Siliki Tamani. In the middle of the pack, Timansi, fantastic player. Kane Koteka at seven, and Bernard Stander is back at number eight for the force. Their backline, like Paul's mentioned, Thomas Kubeli, Domingo Miotti at nine and ten. Kyle Godwin, captains from inside centre with Tavita Kurandrani at 13. Jordan Oluwafella, someone I'd like to mention about how fantastic of an impact he had in the last match. Some things not so great, other things superb. But the ability, like we talk about so often, as an X-Factor player, they can make something happen. He certainly looks like he has that about him. And uh, on the other wing, Tony Pulu, another player very similar. And like you say, Paul, Rob Carney at the back for the force is certainly going to add that responsibility in that 15 jumper. So just before you go to the Reds, I've just pronunciation thing for you. It's not Timani. It's Timani. That's how you got to go. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's a good thing that the, the Rumbies aren't playing. Oh, because I'm not going to get that into it. Oh, geez, that, that was shocking. Australian accent should never be done on this channel ever again. Your pronunciations are normally, you know, okay, but geez, that okay. Let's move on to the Reds. Oh, goodness gracious me. Starting for the Reds up against the Force, we've got Fatua Akai. Fatua Akai, get it right. Uh, you've thrown me completely off now. Brendan Payango-Mosa, he's a hooker. Taliana Tupo at uh, tight head. Angus Scott Young and Lukan Salakai-Loto in the second row. Liam Wright is back. He's starting at six. Fraser McWright at seven. And Harry Wilson completes the pack. Tate McDermott, James O'Connor. He's been in the media a lot, hasn't he? James O'Connor, he is the superstar of Australian rugby at the moment. Hamish Stewart, Hunter Paisami in midfield. Filippo Dalgunu on the left wing. Jordan Pattaya, the right. Bryce Higgity at fullback. Dissect that force a, a, a minimal chance here, but this Reds team—they they look fantastic, don't they? The, the team consistent. I think what I found with this Red side, not too many changes, no wholesale changes, with it completely mixing things up, and they're keeping things really consistent, uh, which is nice to see. And Liam Wright's back, which is great to see that man back in uh, the side. <laughs> the, um... <laughs> Yes, I like it. <laughs> it's uh, it's yes, it's um look, it's good. It's um I think the the, the big thing here uh, for for the Reds is look, they've already booked the final, right? So uh, I think a lot of people would be thinking, look, last round of the tournament, they've already booked themselves a home final. Um, will they actually be? Um, uh, will they actually be select a full team? Will they actually be going for it? And I think because there's that preliminary final, that week off in between the end of the season and the actual final. That they have done. They've gone full. They've gone full guns blazing. Uh, they've taken a, a first choice team, uh, and I don't think they can. And they're looking to have that perfect, uh, the perfect season uh, by winning, winning all their games. So, look, I, I'd, um, they, they could have been some early money on the force 
early week, thinking that perhaps the, the Reds would um, leave some players out, but they haven't done. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me, to be honest, because that week off. And um, look, the steamroller is going to... Well, it's actually, no, they're not... No, the Brumbies are the steamroller. No. It's just they, these guys are more the rapier or the or the, uh, the, the two-seated <laughs> sports car, um, aren't they? Uh, really, the, the, the nimble, uh, exciting play that we're going to get uh, from the uh, f- from this Reds team. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I, it's... Whilst I'd rather see Pasami Pattaya as, as, as 12-13, uh, look, um, it's been working this way around with that um, basically three playmakers in James O'Connor, Hamish Stewart and Bryce Hegarty. They've got lots of options to kick, um, but um, also outside those three, I mean, that's, uh, with, with your Dongunus, your Pattayas, Pasamis, you've got some real pace and uh, uh, an elusive talent. So, yeah, no, it's a, I'm, I'm excited. To see, I'm always excited to watch the Reds. Um, and you've got to say, uh, the force have to do try and be better than the do do, do a better version of the rebels than the rebels can do because uh, they're going to need look they just need to shut them down defensively and take every single point on offer um, for the force for my mind to have a hope we we quite often talk uh, with Shane about this Reds team about their we with their playmaking option and the the Paisami Pattaya sort of situation I. I, I like this with, with Hamish Stewart because it adds so much difference to the team. And in the way that they play, I find with, with the Paisami and Pattaya combination, they become a little bit too much predictable as uh, what they're going to do. Although Pattaya is a better player in that midfield with those options of players moving around and keeping things fresh and different, it gives them a bit more of attacking threat when they can find a player like James O'Connor on the outside channels with, with the outside backs gives him a little bit more freedom to play that open game that he does actually like to play, which is makes the team, I think, a, a bit more less predictable, a bit more exciting, uh, and a bit more open to that roaming style that a player like O'Connor uh, does actually like to play. So I'm a fan of it, but yeah, Pattaya and many other teams would be much better in that midfield. And of course, Paisami's just coming back for that little injury as well. So it's good to see him uh, straight back into that team. But the force, though, we've got to mention a little bit more about the force. You spoke about those Argentinians. How fantastic are those? Uh, I'd have to put on the Haguarez shirt now if we keep going on like this. But Thomas Cabelli, the hero um, of Perth after what he did last weekend, winning that game right at the death. Uh, like we spoke, all of a fellow I spoke about before, really good, exciting little player. I think it's going to benefit them very, very much. But those those two guys at 9 and 10, massive. And then what they can bring off the bench, Santiago, Santiago Medrano, is a man certainly up there with some of the best in that front row. Uh, and the impact of like a Fergus Lee Warner as well can certainly lift the team nicely up as well. So that's me for the Western Force. I, I like what I see from this team. But uh, personally, it's going to take tough result for them to actually come away for win, to actually push through. And I return the Reds would probably be one of the biggest upsets of this competition, I think, so far. But yeah, defensively, that's where they've got to be massive on this one. Yeah, and you're look, you're gonna like the balance of this fourth side now more so than, than than previously when you had a Richard Kahui on the wing. I look has been a wonderful player, but not but look, he hasn't got the pace anymore. Um, in Pulu and Oliver, uh, look, they've got two players there who, as you say, um, have uh, have got pace uh, and, and trickery. Uh, and yeah, I do prefer that 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 sort of balance that they've got there. Um, and uh, that so Cabelli Miotti combo um, is good. So look, yeah, I think the, the force. Uh, have definitely grown and improved over the ten weeks, um, and that's that's that, and that's great. And that's what you that's all you can really ask for, to be honest. It's funny, isn't it? Because we talked about the start of the season about how the the force with the team that brought in all these cool players, but 
they didn't gel or they haven't had time to gel. But now with um, Miotti and Kubeli, they're bringing in guys that actually have that combination established. They know how each other are playing, so it actually adds without adding, if that makes sense, so without requiring the time to, to boost them together. So that is going to be, well, it already has been key for them, but it should really see them well in that 9 and 10. So we go up for an upset, Paul. You're bringing on the Sea of Blue to come home with the W this weekend. Confidence. Not hope. No, Reds by seven. <laughs> yeah, Reds will pick up the win. Uh, seven points, I think, will go by 11. Personally, myself, big win for the Reds. Too good. Second half, um, they will clean up. But I do agree with that comment and they're saying about the Reds, the big threat in the Trans-Tasman competition, uh, which I'd hope, boy, I hope does go into, um, actually does happen, barring anything bad happen, because the Highlanders are at home against the Reds. And, I'm waiting to make sure things go nicely because I will be at that game. I cannot wait. Uh, hopefully, things go well. I can't wait to see the Reds. But let's move on. Game number three. We're staying in Australia. Waratahs and the Rebels. Um, so thoughts on the Waratahs, Paul? <laughs> I think we have any previews and reviews and uh, post-game reactions that we've done over the years. And the Waratahs, I mean, I, I feel like a broken record saying how they just like headless chickens. They've kind of lost the headless chickens. Now they're just... Uh, they just, I don't know. They've just completely lost track. It's like, like they couldn't get any worse, um, but they are getting better. Okay, let's talk about positive then. They have improved, haven't they, in the last couple of weeks. They, they've pushed teams, they're scoring points now, and they're actually in matches, which is saying we couldn't say in the first four, five, six weeks of this competition. No, absolutely. Look, I, I, I thought the dropping rod penny was unfair, um, mm-hmm. but look, it's worked, right? Um, in their last two games, and uh, they've, uh, what is it, I think it's two points and one point, or three points and one point would be the, 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 the margins. Yeah, two points and one point uh, up against the Brumbies um, and the fourth. So, look, they've been close in the last two games. Um, and, uh, look, unfortunately, um, they've lost Will Harrison. Um, but uh, but even, even though they did lose him, they still played, they, they still got close last weekend. So, um, yeah, something's happened. Um, uh, so, that there's improved the uh, this, this improved i guess probably the 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 the, the culture or the uh, i've been saying too much too much recently but the mood um of off the pitch uh and uh, look they're really just going for it which is uh which is nice to see um they, there's still a bunch of young guys um who don't have the experience at this level which is why you're seeing them lose these the, the, these sort of two and one point games they don't know how to get over the line and how to close out a game unfortunately for them, um, but um, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's they're much improved, and I reckon actually, well, uh, I think I think uh, they could be the thing that helps the uh, that helps the force. The thing that helps the force, what not get last? Oh, oh, I see to make the playoffs. Oh, well, that's that's exciting. Okay, we'll save that for the end of this little piece. But <laughs> um, oh, let's let's go and look at the two teams um, for this one, the Waratahs. I think for one of the few teams uh, or few times for any team this season have named an unchanged side. So if we had a little recording of me doing it, oh, I didn't do it last week. We could have just played that. But anyway, Angus Bell will start number one. Dave Parecki will be at hooker. Harry Johnson-Holmes at tighthead in the second row. Hugh Sinclair and Max Douglas. Uh, Lockie Swinton, Carlo Tizano, amazing superstar. They've unearthed this year is Tizano. He's at seven again. And Will Harris at number eight. Jake Gordon, captains at scrum half. And Ben Donaldson, he is the replacement, of course, to Will Harrison. And let's be honest, played fairly uh, responsibly and, and well in uh, his appearance last weekend as well. So that's promising for them with another 
you know, young 10 coming through those ranks. In the midfield, Lalakai Fakiti and Isaiah Parisi at 12 and 13. James Ram on the left wing. Alex Newsom, the right side. And Jack Maddox continues on his role at fullback. Up against them for the Rebels, Cameron Orr, Jordan Ulisi and Kubasilov are their front row. Rob Liotta and Ross Haylett-Petty in the second row. Michael Wells, Brad Wilkin and Isi Naisorani. Yes, he's back. And he is starting this week in the number eight jumper. Joey Powell and Matt Miller are the halves combination with Campbell Magnay and Stacey Ely. I'm sure um, Stephen Harris would have a lot to say about if he was ever on the show, his performances in that Rebels jumper. On the left wing, Marika Karambiti on the right side. Frank Lamani, the number nine, turned into what's well, becoming a bit of a superstar on the right wing for the Rebels and Tom Pincus at the back. It's, it's a bit makeshift, isn't it, what they've done with that Rebels team? But, I mean... Guys that you'd look at, and like like Stacey Ely, I say it every week on the show, he's just does things right. He just doesn't do anything too over the top. He just does his job. He does it nice enough. He kicks fairly well only when he has to. He doesn't drop the ball. He catches. He takes tackles. He puts the ball um, freely to be carried on with. He's just a, a tidy little player. And from a guy you look at and go, well, he'll be gone by week two or three. He is the mainstay in that Rebels backline. I think he, he is a key man um, if they're going to actually progress in that battle for that third spot um, this season. But nice Rani, he's back. He's back at number eight. Massive player. We talked about Ali Salvia before, didn't we, Paul? He's that sort of guy for the Melbourne Rebels, isn't he? Uh, yeah, it's definitely the, the, the ball carrying and destruction. This, look, on paper, this team should beat the Tiles quite comfortably. The problem is... They they they're playing less than some of their parts, oh, right? I was yeah, say we're played, on grass. Yeah, we're on grass, not on paper. Uh, yeah, look, these the Corvetti, the most dangerous player in 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 Australian rugby, hasn't scored a try this year. Um, so you kind of like look this this Rebels team just doesn't uh, yeah it, it isn't isn't clicking. There's, there's, it's just not working for them. Uh, they they just don't they just, and. Um, uh, up against the side, so I think the Rebels, if any the Rebels have gone backwards this season, whereas the Tiles are going forwards, and that to me I think is 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 is, is what could be um, is what could be the difference here is that the uh, the Tiles have actually got some positive, um, uh, of, uh, got, 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 sure they've lost a lot they've lost all their games but they've got close in the last two the Rebels are on a run now with three lose three of uh, three losses um, and uh, yes it's in it's I, I can see them just going going south personally. We talked about the start of the season, this Rebels team, and we're quite far off the mark at that stage, but probably hitting it a bit more. But how much Matt Tamua affects how this team plays? A guy that has got to be an ever-present person has not been very ever-present so much for the Rebels team as when they are being successful and winning and doing everything perfectly and getting the results they want. But I think the biggest change this team has had from those first couple of weeks where, well, they bide round one, where they actually pushed the teams like the Reds and the Brumbies, and we were like, whoa, this team's not supposed to be playing this well. Defence, and they didn't score a try for about three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. They just got all their points by kicks. They get that scoreboard pressure, and they were up there, but they relied on that defence. That concentration and determination and focus on that defence seems to have gone by the wayward now of the pressure of scoring points with the team through the five-pointers and the sevens. That's changed how the team's played, and I agree. As a result, they've slipped off. They've kind of gone backwards, and it's an opportunity for this, bra- this Waratah side to actually turn things around and pick up the W, but I, I, no, I can't see myself putting anything on this Waratah's team to pick up any sort of result. But, yeah, it's really changed the whole style of this team 
has changed massively and they're just not playing that same sort of game-winning rugby that we uh, saw them at the first few weeks. So that is, uh, I think, the biggest interesting thing about this Rebels side uh, going into this next round. Probably because it, those, it, they say game-winning rugby, but they weren't getting the wins. That was the problem, wasn't it? Um, now, mm. And sides now know, as long as we don't give up penalties um, in our own half, we're going to win this game because they're not scoring tries, right? All they'll do is just defend. They will give us the ball at some point. Just don't give up a penalty, guys. Stay on side. Don't uh, don't get off your feet at the breakdown, and we'll win this game because they can't score. They can't get the ball to anyone dangerous. Just fan out, and eventually they'll drop the ball, and we'll get it. Thank you. Um, and that's that's the problem. They've been too. They were too one dimensional early on. People have figured that out, and they've got nothing else. Essentially, mm. they should do though. But the problem is, Matt yeah. isn't a, isn't isn't a fly half. He's a twelve. Yeah, we started that conversation again, aren't we going into that one? Yeah, we'll, we'll avoid that or else we'll be here for another three hours. But yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but when he's on, he's on. And when he when he is on, he's good. He he can control a game. But he's he's a guy that takes on the field too. He, he takes on defensive lines. And I think he's a bit like um Dan Carter was a bit like that too. When he was running at the line and creating space, he was more of a player than he was when he was just shoveling on. We're going back. We're going back to, to the early days or the earlier days of New Zealand rugby here, Paul. Um, bringing a real legend into the game. Um, but yeah, when you when you knew Dan Carter was playing at the peak of his powers, he was. He was at the line and he was causing defenders to watch him rather than watch where he's passing. Matt Tamil was a similar sort of player, nowhere near the caliber, let's be honest. <laughs> but um same sort of guy. When you know he's going at the line, when you know he's taking on defenders, that's when you know he's playing well. And I think that's all the rebels really been missing from him. Uh probably since you know, those first few rounds of the competition. But where are we going? I, I sense you're going to go for a Waratahs upset. So let's go. Bring on the force. Waratahs by one for me. Oh, <laughs> I've got an upset. I was thinking about it. I was like, no, I'm gonna, I can't do it. I've got to go Rebel, Rebels by one. Rebels to bring it home. They're going to score some tries. Coravetti's going to actually play some good rugby and score some tries this weekend. And they're going to completely turn the game around. Okay. I've got, I've, I've got the tiles at over $3 at the TAB. Wow. So there we go. Well, what you need to do is wait till the Rebels are leading about 10-0 and it'll be about $8 <laughs> for a Waratahs win. That's when you jump on it. Uh, but yeah, this, this could go either way. It's a head and heart one, I think, personally. I think the Waratahs, like you say, they're on the, the up where the Rebels are on the down. So where she falls, we'll see on Saturday evening. Make yep, sure you watch. I've got the Tars at, 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 at $3.15. So, yep. <laughs> He's going to return a mighty $9. $9.45, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Every cent matters. Right, here we go. This is what I really wanted to talk to you about. Oh, the Crusaders and the Blues. I mean, these are the glory boys. What, three, four weeks, four, five weeks ago? It was all about, you know, who was going to win the final between the Crusaders and the Blues. Now, the Crusaders have lost to everyone except for the Blues in the last year. Whereas the Blues seem to be falling on a slippery slope themselves, losing to the might of the Highlanders under the massive roof in Dunedin. So it was all a great week last weekend. But where do we start? I mean, let's start, we'll start with your Blues, since they're your side uh, as well. Probably not falling down the, the massive calamity that the, the Crusaders seem to be, but a bit of disharmony, a bit of a question seems to be going around this blue side. I know in the chat we, we have during the week about the um, the rugby over the weekend, you guys, your blue supporters, yourself, Ashwin and, and Stephen, that a lot of talk about things and problems going on with this Blues team. 
Oh, look, it's, it's more them than me, but so and just the, <laughs> yes. the, <laughs> to be to be fair. But look, it's it's just the the lack of, in, of rugby intelligence from this team is what really upsets uh, a lot of Blues fans. Uh, look, um, and the imbalance of that back row. Um, they uh, they got uh, when when you play um, Akiriwani um, and uh, I've gone absolutely blank as the number eight. Two two. Thank you. Um, then um, you've got players who yeah great carriers, but then you're putting an awful lot of work on Dolce and Papilihi at the breakdown, um, and uh, they've uh, and you've uh, whilst Akiriwani's work work rate has improved, um, he still has a bit more to go. I think really uh, that's not that's not his. Um, that's not his key strength, uh, and they, they sort of lack that work rate, uh, and then they become very um, one-dimensional trying to bash it through. And uh, if you stand up to the Blues, then you've uh, you've got a good chance. Now, the Blues um, against the Highlanders, look, they were they weren't playing particularly well, but they were still in the game towards the end because they do hurt you. They look they they are big ball carriers. They're going to stay in a game. Um, the problem with it is it's that they don't have the nous to actually win the game. Uh, at the moment, and that's that's what they're really lacking. I feel it's interesting. This match, we probably talked about it a few weeks ago. It would be cut and dry. Well, I would anyway, saying the Crusaders just going to steamroll this one just like they always do. Especially the fact that it's at home. I think the Blues' biggest chance mm. over the last couple of years is the fact if they play Eden Park, yeah, they've got their home crowd support. There's a massive possibility they can pull this one off. But the Crusaders, well, what's happened there? I mean, they've lost to the Highlanders. They've lost to the Chiefs. They almost lost to the Hurricanes. Could things get worse? And the boys from up in the big smoke come to their house and complete the complete four sides toppling them in one season. It's almost unthinkable at the start of the year we'll be saying this, but we're almost at the point, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the Crusaders are on a 13-game winning streak over the Blues um, at the moment. So, look, it's... Um... The, the closest has been, um, uh, has been a two-point margin um, the uh, back in 2019 when it was 22-24. Um, but, but weren't they um, on the 13-game winning streak against every New Zealand Super Rugby team? Let's be honest, apart from the Hurricanes last season, they've beaten everyone uh, for quite oh, yeah, a number yeah, of time. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, look, the, um, the, the problem for the Crusaders is injuries. Right, The dude has lost so many players. Um, they've lost Moody up front. Uh, they've lost uh, Christie and um, oh, who else in the um, uh, in the Lucys? They've also, mm-hmm. uh, but um, they've lost um, Braden Enor uh, and Goodhue in the centres. Um, and so, essentially, what you're playing at the moment is a, a, a pack that um, that doesn't have the same number of leaders it used to have. Uh, obviously, a, a halves combination, and then a bunch of outside backs because um, um, they have no. They're not playing with any centres um, at the moment. Uh, which is which is which is a real problem for basically for the, for, for, the, for their shape and their structures. Uh, it's um, Habili is a fifteen. Let's be honest. Yes, he can do a job at ten and he can do a job at twelve, but he's a fifteen. Um, Lester Fainuku is very much a winger. He is yeah. not a thirteen. Um, and they always say, look, thirteen is the hardest channel to defend. Uh, and if so, if you're going to put yourself, if you're going to put some a guy in there like that, look, he's done well. Let's be blunt mm. for, for, for for considering what his background is, but um, there's a difference between doing well and, uh, uh, and actually being dominant. And that's the difference is that that same combination there isn't making the most of Bridge, Reese, um, uh, um, gone blank as the fullback. Um, but anyway, yep. um, the um, Will Jordan. Um, the, so um, 
you've got three devastating runners out there in the back three that basically that aren't basically basically aren't being used uh, at the moment because it's just not getting through those heart through through those um, through those centres out to them uh, because they're just not used to they're not distributors they're not used to distributing the ball a lot um, and um, uh, if if you're going to take away that counter attacking uh, piece of with with with, with that uh, the offloads that, that Jack Goodhue gives you gives you keeping that uh, the old um, or what the, the new acronym that's coming out of um, uh, Ronan O'Garic, um KAB uh, um, KBA keep the ball alive. Um, where's he picked that up from? He's picked that up from the Crusaders where he was there. So that's that's clearly um, a Crusaders thing. Keep the ball alive. Don't get stuck. It don't don't let it get stuck in rucks. Keep it alive, boys. But unfortunately. When you got, uh, they're, they're missing that um, Jack Goodhue, Braden Enor combo in there that uh, that keeps that ball alive. It does indeed. Yep, it's a massive problem for them, isn't it? It's all the talent on the outside. Uh, no one's get it through uh, that side. But I think that the pack as well has also started to struggle a little bit. You mentioned the losses they got in that back row, but their scrum not as dominant. You see some teams like we saw the Chiefs last weekend actually get a couple of scrums where they were the dominant side moving forward, which is something you don't always see so much against the Crusaders team, even when they bring those reserves on. They've normally got that sort of ability to keep up uh, what the team, the starters, have done before them. So all around, you start to see some little cracks, maybe starting to see play or some key areas where they're not as strong as they would be with their full strength. And, I mean, every team is suffering massive injuries. It's quite a big talking point heading into the possibility of that trans-Tasman competition that the New Zealand teams have, as they do, with these derby games beat each other to the point of breaking and and that's what's happened this season it's almost like a survival of the fittest now we're getting down to that nitty-gritty end of the season the last few rounds of the competition who's going to have the fittest and best team still going when you get to those finals and those um chances at the end to win the competition anyone could get into that final when they if the blues don't get up here other things go the way the chiefs continue on their great form there's still a chance that it won't be a Crusaders Blues final, and that would, you know, no. like I say, three weeks ago would be just you wouldn't have thought it. Everyone was talking about it, even we talked about it on the preview. It's like this is going to be a Brumbies Reds Crusaders Blues final uh, between two competitions. And thanks for coming. See you later. Uh, but yeah, maybe more so here in New Zealand, things have changed up a little bit. But how do you see this game actually going? Regardless, obviously we don't have the team's name yet because it is a Sunday matchup. But in terms of game plan for these two sides. How do you see the two teams trying to get the victory over the other, knowing the weaknesses that they have? Well, that's what the, the, the Blues are just going to bash it up. That's what they do, right? And mm-hmm. the ball doesn't get through um, Rico Wine's hands. So, so the guys outside <laughs> again just don't get used, right? Let's, let's be honest. So they're, going to, they're going to bash it up. Rico's going to try and break on the outside. That's what's that, 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 that's the Blues' plan. Because um, he's a winger. Because he's, <laughs> well, yeah. He, um, <laughs> I, I look, he, he at least played 13 all the way through age grade and at minor 10. Um, Whereas the Crusaders, look, if they've got Scott Barris at six again, then look, they've just not got the mobility to play that wide game and to take advantage of 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 of, of the uh, of, of, of of that slow pack of that the Blues are going to have, um, and they'll end up basically playing into the Blues' hands, um, having to bash it up through because they're just not mobile enough to get it round them, um, and uh, that's the concern. I think the, the Crusaders one could could end up playing into the Blues' hands. They, the, the Crusaders want to move that ball as much as possible, get a Kiriwani, um, get some Satutu running around, get Patrick um, having to having to put, put the miles in if Patrick's back from injury. Um, again, leadership issues for the Blues. Um, 
then uh, look if uh, but um, but if I say if Scott Barrett's at six, they don't really have that uh, the mobility to do it. Uh, and um, so it, should, it could be closer th- than we expect. But um, look, thirteen games on the bounce, I can't really see that changing. The confidence, the confidence is so small in the Blues. It just about can't see it. Hey, let's let's go on a positive here about the Blues. At least Rico Ioani has finally learnt how to put a ball down. We've seen it for a, a few weeks on their on our own. Now he's actually scored tries and just dived on the ball like a normal, boring old rugby player. But you know what? He's not done. He's not stuffed any up. And that's the positive about his career uh, moving forward, whether we see him um, in a 13 or wherever we see him um, in a black jersey in the future as well. So that's always a plus. I always see him scoring tries and it's like, that's it. That's it, Rico. I don't care what happens with the Blues as long as you just dive normally and score tries. That is fine. So here you're going. Um, you know, with the heart of the away side or, like you say, continuation of that 13-game winning streak for the Crusaders? Oh, Crusaders by five. Crusaders by five. Hard to argue with that. I'm going to go a little bit more because I've done it all season long and all week long as well this week. Crusaders by eight. We'll continue on with that. And that is our final game, our Sunday matchup complete. Um, thinking about it, though, hang on. Now, you've gone you've gone Chiefs, you've gone Reds, you went Waratahs and the Crusaders. So a stat that they are banding around massively each weekend is that the home teams have just about lost every game throughout the season. You're picking the two home teams this week, and I'm doing the same thing. So we'll see if we can beat the stats uh, heading into this weekend's round of Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa. But, Paul, any final thoughts we wrap up this weekend's preview? Absolutely. Look, um, join us straight after the final whistle for the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes. Um, we'll have post-match reaction on our Facebook and YouTube channels, um, as well as um, Twitter as well. So do join us for post-match reaction to the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes straight after the final whistle. There we go. Make sure you're there. And if I'm all action and ready, I might even join in uh, if I watch the full game this weekend and not later on. Uh, that is it from us today. Thank you for tuning and watching. Thanks for all the comments coming through as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Make sure you're there. But until then, thanks for watching. And of course, take Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.